Chapters 6 through 10 of Pep Poise, Efficiency, Peace by Colonel William Crosby Hunter. Recording by J. A. Carter. Chapter 6 Here are many things in concrete form, the details and the hows of which we will consider later on. Absorb as many of the suggestions as you can right now, and you will gain rapidly in your stock of pep. Be calm and serene. Drink more water, more buttermilk, less coffee and tea. Take more rest, sleep more, eat less. Eat more cereals, more dry toast, and less red meat. Chew your food thoroughly, eat slowly, avoid fancy foods, condiments, and highly seasoned desserts. Slow down your speed. Spend more time out of doors. Sleep with your windows wide open, winter or summer. Relax. Think faith and uplift thought. This is a pretty big bunch of rules. Follow as many of them as you possibly can. Accept the suggestions because of your faith in the guide, and upon my promise that proof of the efficacy of these suggestions will be abundant as you progress. As we shall soon clearly see, Nothing comes out of our brain in thought that was not first planted in our brain. We are in mind and body what we feed upon mentally and materially. You must eliminate, so far as you possibly can, all fear and worry thought, and feed your brain on faith and joy thought. If you keep feeding on pleasant, dominant, courageous, helpful, upbuilding thought, this mental food will be digested and you will realize great benefits. Patience here again is the word, for you may not notice instant gain in your mental strength any more than you recognize quick results in physical strength following a substantial meal. Think good, see good, hear good, mix with good, and have patience. You cannot cut down a tree with one stroke of an axe. Figuratively, we have locked arms, clasped hands, looked into each other's eyes, felt each other's hearts, and given each other our confidence. I want you to feel that these thoughts are personal, human, and not mere printed words. I want you to feel there is a joyous, helpful camaraderie between us as we go along, finding sunshine and health and spreading joy into shadow land. We are helping ourselves, and we are helping others who need us. Truth and evidence shall be our basis, and we must be wide awake, alert, and receptive. We will forget how often we fell asleep over those heavy old scientific books, written by thin-blooded men who have never been in the fray, men who have never felt as you and I have felt. Those men write theory. We are practicing truth. The housewife doesn't care for tables and tests, information about yeast ferments, heat units, bacilli culture. She wants to know how much flour, water, salt, yeast, heat, and time to use, and in what proportion, so that she may bake bread. You do not care for a glossary of words, or an array of scientific terms, or pictures of neurons, ganglia, nerve centers, etc., etc., ad nauseum. We will have to do with the practical ways by which you may substitute sereneness for worry, smiles for frowns, joys for sorrows, health for illness, strength for weakness, courage for fear, hope for despair, love for hate, kindness for cruelty, gentleness for roughness, friendship for enmity, charity for selfishness. Chapter 7 We are planting seeds and learning about the weeds which kill the flowers, so that we may destroy the weeds. 
henceforth when opportunity offers and when you can make opportunity think about the flowers and the beauty and the good things of life it will be harder to point your compass aright and steer true to this course now than it will be later i could have given you the definite rules to follow on one or two pages of this book and very little good would have come to you the parent could tell the child the ten commandments and the golden rule and within those eleven rules and suggestions practically the great guides to morals and living could be found the teacher could give the basic rules of arithmetic reading and writing and the pupil would have the basis for a life's work but good so far as it has to do with the shaping of our lives our morals or our educations must be brought out by sustained and continued application and attention don't you see then why it is better for you and me to travel slowly along rather than to have me tell you the story in a few words can't you see how it will benefit you if you keep this book ever near you after you have finished it in the form laid out by reading a chapter or so every day in the manner suggested you are going to fasten habit until it is firmly fixed and your good thought will work automatically again i ask patience for clouds will come to you despair will creep in but each day if patience and persistence is your rule you are weakening the enemies to your sereneness the shipbuilding yard looks like a gigantic jackstraw puzzle we cannot appreciate how order is to come out of such chaos lots of time and patience have been expended in preparing the plates bars bolts and rods some day the mastermind who laid out these plans will issue the orders and these thousands of pieces will be carried to the stocks each finding its place and a great ship will appear there was a lot of preparation a lot of patience necessary so with your task patience and sincerity in the study of the parts plans and conditions are necessary and when assembly time comes you will surely realize great benefits chapter eight the food you have been receiving is easily digestible i have tried to be serious and hold your interest and if you have followed closely i am sure that as you have been reading these lines worry and unrest were absent we are getting acquainted and understanding each other you are taking the easier steps in preparatory work now and each day there will be new pleasures new hopes and new strength for you i am sure the sunshine is breaking through the clouds you are getting strength and i now pull aside the curtain a bit and let you take a peep at the enemy and point out the problems we are to tackle we shall not rush on the enemy like a cavalry charge but we will pick them off one by one with strategy punch and strength we will wallop them with substitution until the enemy's camp ground is overgrown with flowers where the weeds were thick and the fort of the enemy where with flying colors and seeming impregnable security the enemy held forth shall be turned into a cemetery of the vanquished horde behold then before our fight camping yonder under the ever alert general worry the enemy blues nervousness melancholy nervous prostration short breath forgetfulness sensitiveness nightmare blurred eyesight lost confidence uncertainty fear neuritis hysteria rapid pulse dizziness lonesomeness nervous dyspepsia indigestion listlessness dread neurasthenia despondency hardened arteries trembling crying spells lost ambition loss of weight timidity and others i've not mentioned many physical diseases that are aggravated by worry and nerve weakness practically every ill the body suffers if not directly caused by worry is certainly aggravated by worry or lack of mind control 
The one thing to relieve the conditions caused by worry is to substitute right thinking and establish the ability to keep up right thought. You must get in helpful thoughts and shut out hurtful thoughts. Helpful thoughts bring strength. Hurtful thoughts cause weakness and hypochondria, and this condition is the forerunner to the ogres we have just been looking at. Set your energy to work on making and keeping the resolve that you are going to put your willpower in command of your nerves, which are the telegraph lines of the body. From now on you must recognize that mind is to master your body, and that your willpower is to direct the mind. Your resolve will make you stronger in your purpose, and each day you will find your vision clearer and your power to concentrate your thoughts easier. Think courage. Repeat the words, Nothing can harm me as long as I am unafraid. It has taken years, perhaps, of steady pull at your nerves to bring you into a state of weakened power mentally and physically. If you have lost your confidence, combativeness, and pep, it has been a slow process, and you cannot expect by mere resolve to reinstate your former strength and normal condition on the instant. You will require patience, and lots of it, but you can well afford to be patient for you are now on the upward turn and gaining in strength every day. Your patience will yield you wonderful dividends. Of course, if you have been taking drugs, dope, tonics, or bracers, you will quit them instantly. They are only temporary boosters, and the reflex after the drug effect always leaves you worse than ever. Drugs and dope push you downward. Faith and hope lift you upward. There are twenty-four hours in a day, and fourteen hundred and forty minutes. If you can master yourself by right thinking for five minutes today, tomorrow you can be master for six or seven minutes, and each day you can increase the length of the period of your mastery. There never would be any photographs unless there were shadows and lights. We need reverses in our lives to make us appreciate our blessings. In times of prosperity, we have a large circle of individuals who pose as friends and are extravagant with their offers of friendship until when necessity through reverses causes us to try to cash in this friendship we find the friends scattered like a bunch of sheep with a hungry coyote in their midst your need should be your inventory time for then you can make a little memorandum book of who is who when you need a friend do not presume upon friends to help you they serve their purpose temporarily to bridge you over difficulties friends can help you by their good cheer and counsel by their help and suggestions but the real help is within you, and to get pep it is necessary that you make the fight alone. I am acting as a friendly architect, drawing plans for you, who are to do the building. Having furnished the specifications and drawings, my principal part of the work is ended, and the responsibility for the structure is up to you. I shall come around often and watch your progress, and I shall be with you in thought and good wishes, and with words of cheer which will help you to sing as you work. Chapter 9. You must overcome obstacles singly, and not look upon them in mass, as you will be discouraged if you do. Take one thing at a time, dispose of it, tackle the next thing, and so on. Success comes slowly. It creeps. Your hunger for success makes you wish that progress would come jumping along like a kangaroo. From my ranch house in Frozen Dog, Idaho, I see the frowning range of the Seven Devils Mountains. It looks as though it would be impossible to get over that range, but I have been over it. I hit the trail, walked step by step around bends, over rocks, resting once in a while to refresh myself and replenish my energy. 
As I looked back from the resting place, the very ground over which I had passed looked as forbidding as the hills ahead of me, but the fact that I had gone so far gave me confidence that I could go further, and I did. Your problems are like those hills. Keep on your way, rise slowly, surely, and go forward, no matter how slowly you go, just so you are moving in the right direction. Let a song be on your lips and happiness in your heart, and the journey will be easier. The troubles you have had in the past are greater than any troubles you will have in the future. The things you expected to floor you in the past did not happen. You may be hemmed in now, and the walls around you may look impassable, but keep your head up and keep climbing. Your loved ones are watching your progress. Their warm hearts respond to your joy and sympathize with you, and if you give them hand-clasps of cheer and words of courage, you will help them, and more certainly, help yourself. If you cannot be sincere in speaking or acting courage and cheer, act these things anyway. Your happiness may be forced, your smile may be make-believe, your example may be posing. Be it so. Keep on the acting. It will help those you love, and finally, sincerity will mix with your insincerity, and the good impulses will be real and natural. The old man said, most of my worries have been about things which never happened. Your worries are mostly about anticipated horrors or conditions you expect to find in the future. But your anticipation will not be realized. Those troubles will not occur. You always came out right in the past, some way, somehow. You managed to get through and came out on top. Patrick Henry said, I know of no way to judge the future but by the past. Just apply that rule in your own case. Faith is your rose. Worry is the thistle. Both are fighting for room. Worry wishes to kill faith. Faith struggles so hard to live. Water the faith rose. Care for it. Keep the thistle down. With faith established, peace, joy, and cheer will come to you. Stand by the rose of faith. Watch out for it. Keep the thistle down, and watch out for new thistle seeds. They grow quickly. Chapter 10 the printer must know about type, paper, and ink. The carpenter must know about the hammer, saw, and plane. The preacher must know his Bible, prayer books, and hymns. So, in order to get the good out of you, you must know about the things which are in you and the tools you have to work with. The principal tool is the brain. The brain is the thought factory and the dynamo which gives impulse to the nerves. The nerves are the overseers or taskmasters of the muscles. It would take a whole library alone to tell in detail about the brain, to show proofs and diagrams necessary to give the ordinary layman a complete understanding of the brain. But I am not to be technical, and you have agreed to have faith and believe the things I tell you, and really it doesn't matter very much whether I tell you the full truth or not, so long as you get the results you are after. Plant corn in May, cultivate the ground carefully, and in the fall each kernel will produce hundreds of kernels. That is truth, and it is not necessary to go into scientific terms or give botanical explanation of the process of growing. It is sufficient to know that by doing what you are told, the result you are after is sure to follow. In other words, when I tell you about planting the corn and cultivating the ground, and promise that you will reap a crop, I am talking from experience, and promising you the results because I know that the formula and the suggestion given you will produce definite results. If you are too insistent, you can go to the library or consult the best doctor or the best scholar you know and find that the things I say are true. I haven't time to take side roads or quote authorities, 
so just dismiss your doubt and bear patiently as we go along. Have confidence in this book until you have finished it, and see how the thing comes out. The brain is the thought factory, or better still, it is the business office of the body. The brain is likewise a battery, a key, a carburetor, an engine, a dynamo, a chart room. The nerves running out of the business office are the telegraph wires carrying the vital spark from the business office. Some of these nerves work automatically, and some of them get busy only when we order them to work. Part of the brain controls the nerves which work the heart, the digestion, the circulation, and the breathing. These nerves work right along without wasting any nerve energy, and without requiring any mental effort. You cannot stop the working of the heart or the digestion by any mental effort. You can suspend certain automatic nerve action temporarily, such as stopping the eye-winking muscles or the breathing muscles. You cannot, by any mental effort, refrain from seeing things when your eyes are open. You cannot stop feeling, smelling, tasting, or hearing by mental effort. A continuation of the brain runs down the hollow of the backbone and is known as the spinal cord. It is a sort of assistant brain, or magneto. It relieves the main office of much of the most important work and takes care of a great deal of the common work. For instance, when you desire to walk, the brain sets certain muscles to work through the nerves. The impetus is given, and the start is made by definite action of the brain. After you have made the start, the brain switches the job to the spinal cord, and the spinal cord keeps the walking muscles working until you wish to stop. So then, in the operation of walking, the brain is used at the start and at the finish. The spinal cord takes care of the nerve action necessary between the time of starting and the time of stopping. This is a wonderful provision of nature, for it saves the using of the brain force for the common work of the body. I can illustrate this very nicely by comparing your brain and spinal cord to the dry cell battery and the magneto in an automobile, and comparing you, the human machine, with the automobile. You start an automobile with a dry cell battery, and when the engine is running smoothly, you switch the current to the magneto. The magneto furnishes the spark without loss and keeps the engine running without using up any of the original dry cell current. If your automobile ran all the while on the battery, the battery would soon lose its voltage and finally peter out altogether. So with the human machine. If you had to think and use your brain for every step you took, for every breath or every movement, you would soon wear out your brain. It is because many of you use the brain for much unimportant work that there is so much nerve exhaustion. End of chapter 6 through 10. Recording by J. A. Carter. www.pleonic.com